It can be kind of embarrassing being a preacher. I know that probably is a weird thing. Maybe it's a surprise to you, but it can be a little embarrassing to be a preacher. If you're ever on an airplane, somebody finds out what you do, it can be awkward. There's some awkward moments. If you're ever at a party, everybody's having a lot of fun. They've told you some things, and all of a sudden, they ask you what you do. They find out you're a preacher. That's an awkward moment. It can be an embarrassing time at certain places and times to be a preacher. It's also embarrassing to be a preacher at church. Did you know that? Yeah. Because sometimes people hear and they find out a lot about you. They know about their clergy. Churches do. They know about family of clergy. They just do because as preachers, we tend to tell stories on ourselves. And it can be embarrassing, especially for kids. I have a preacher friend And he worked out this arrangement with his kids. He said, every single time I say your name in one of my sermons or one of my messages, I'm going to give you a dollar. Do you know those kids are loaded? (laughs) Every time my children say something funny or what I think is insightful, they're going to look at me and they're going to say, yeah, you can't use that ever, right? Now they have these disclaimers. So yes, it can be embarrassing when you know all this stuff about your preacher, especially when she gets sick. It was embarrassing about two weeks ago when I had to call at 6 a.m. and say, hey, I have a fever and I feel like I can't leave the bed. So thank you, Jeff, for taking over. That was very nice of him. It was, he did a great job. It's always a lot of fun to be with Jeff too. But when I got back to church, I had one of my friends here come up to me and say, hey, we've been talking about you while you've been gone. I said, yeah, we've been starting all kinds of rumors about you. We told everybody you had mono. I'm like, thank you. I said, yeah, we told everybody, too, you had the flu. And I was like, oh, that's fun. Thanks. And then another friend said, well, I just told everybody that you just didn't show up and we didn't know where you went. It got me thinking. They're like, you know, it's fun to talk about the preacher. It's kind of what we do when we go to church. And so it got me thinking about all the things that we expect when we go to worship services on a Sunday morning. On a Sunday morning, when you come to church, there are certain things you expect. You expect your preacher to be here. You expect to hear some music. You expect to be able to pray. You expect maybe to find your favorite spot here in the round. You expect things. If we were in a very traditional worship setting, if we were in a high church, there's certain things we would expect in the ritual. There's certain words of liturgy that we might say. There are affirmations of faith that we know. There are things that are in our thoughts and expectations when we think about high church and traditional church. Here at Chapel Roswell, we're a little different. We don't have all of the same expectations, but you still have thoughts of what you may see here. But I'm wondering... What are the things we don't expect? Anybody? When you come to church, what don't you expect? What do you know is not going to happen? Any thoughts? What, what? What? That was fast. The wave. The wave. Oh, that would be fun, though. Oh, challenge accepted. <laughs> We're gonna. I'm gonna try to work that in. Okay. What else don't we expect? 
Elephants. Yeah, we don't expect elephants. That's a good one. I cannot accept that challenge. Anybody else? A baby delivery. Oh, any expectant parents, (laughs) moms out there, that would be fun. Anything else? A mosh pit. Yeah, it would not be with me. It would be with you, right? Yeah, that would be kind of cool, though. I don't know if I could work that in. You don't expect the band just to, like, throw their instruments, do you? No. We have so many children in worship, which I love. I expect our kids to be loud. I expect that. Now, do we expect them to run around and take over? No, but that'd be fun. That used to be one of my very favorite things in traditional worship when they would let me do the children's moments. I loved it because it was the one moment in worship we couldn't control. And to see all the kids run up to church and then ask them a question and all of them raise their hand and all their parents just like, oh no, that's the best. All right, I'm gonna give you one more scenario. Let's pretend we all come in just like normal. Sarah comes in and introduces everything and gets to settle. That's pretty normal. We all like find our people and that's normal. And then we sing our favorite song. That's normal. And then as soon as I get up here, I talk to talk, start to talk. That's normal. And then let's say out of the blue, Joe screams at me. He just stands up and screams. That would be awkward, right? What if I screamed back? Yeah, that would be bad. People would certainly be talking about the preacher then, wouldn't they? If all of a sudden somebody just stood up and screamed and I screamed back, it would be disruptive. And it's also happened before. It's in the Gospel of Mark, and here's the story. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying or screaming, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, they began to talk about him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Think about that. How disruptive is that story? How much does that change the flow of worship? Depending upon how you read scripture, it will impact the way you hear this particular story. Now for me, I think in terms of acts, like an act in a play. I think in terms of different scenes that happen. 
And so that's kind of helpful in this situation because this particular story is one episode. That's what it's called. It's an episode. It's a self-contained story. It has a beginning and it has an end. And it's an episode and it's the second one. Mark writes six episodes together. And this is the second one. And what they're called, it's all called organized space. Mark writes in a way that gives us an organized way to think about moments in the life in the day of Jesus. And so they're meant to be read individually as very important, but they're also meant to fit into a bigger picture. In this particular episode that we have is Jesus going in to a public place of worship. He's going into a synagogue, and that's important because there are other times when he goes into people's houses. He goes to private places, but this, this is a public place, a public place of worship. And so he, by his presence, is giving us the value and the importance of corporate worship. And what he does while he is there is he's teaching, but all of a sudden, in addition to becoming the role of teacher, there's another role he has, and that's the role of exorcist. It's a word that makes us embarrassed. It's an awkward word, but let's get through it. Because in the Gospel of Mark, there are 18 miracles, and of the 18 miracles, 12 are healings, and of those 12, four are exorcisms. And at the time of the year, that the time of the writing, that word wasn't awkward. It didn't make people squirm. It didn't make them uncomfortable. This is Hellenistic period. It's a time when Roman gods and Greek gods are moving in and out of people's lives all the time. And so for Christian practice, what it meant at the time was that Jesus saw something that was unclean. Jesus saw that there was something happening in a man that didn't feel right, that was holding him ransom, that had a weird name to it. There was something not sacred, not holy. And Jesus said, that is not of my father. And I rebuke it. And the man is healed. I've been watching this documentary on a football club in Wales. You may have been watching it too. Don't tell me how it ends. And I don't recommend it because of the language. Some of the language is embarrassing. There's some harsh language. But if you push through the words and see the content, the content is very good. And in one particular episode of this documentary, they go into the village cathedral. Oh, and it is beautiful. And they begin to interview the priest. And I'm thinking to myself, this is fantastic. Church of England priest, give me more. I want to hear more. I want to see more of the stained glass. And as they're talking to him and interviewing, all of a sudden, the village person says, well, our priest is also our local exorcist. And I think, oh, great, here we go. This is an embarrassing moment for all priests everywhere. Every preacher, we're going to get a bad name here. And he says, well, I mean, they call me that, but I go into people's homes and I bless them. I bless houses. We have a preacher who goes into homes 
and says, everything in this home should be clean. He prays over the things that are unclean, and he says, all the conversations, all the actions, the way that we love people in our homes, we must offer a blessing over it. I think that feels sacred. I think that feels good. You can call it whatever you want to call it. We all know that evil exists. There are all kinds of evils. There are addictions that feel evil. There are behaviors that feel evil. Sometimes I think mental illness, mental illness can take such horrible forms that it can become evil and harmful to families. It can become debilitating. I think about systems that we've created, things that can abuse power and abuse people and injustices of this world. Just this week, I had a conversation about a whole system that makes people wait years and years before they can get a work permit. There are things in our lives that cause harm. There are things that are causing evil. And if I, as a preacher, could stand right here in front of you and say, I rebuke every one of them, and they just become over and healed, I would do it. I would pray over every evil and injustice one by one. I've heard the same story three times this week by three different people in three different contexts on three different days. And because of the power of three, now I have to share it with you. Apparently the story's going around, so if you've heard it, you know it. To me, it came out as the starfish story. You may have heard it by some other marine life. <laughs> but the story goes that a man is walking on the beach and in front of him, there are thousands and thousands of starfish. There's starfish two miles ahead of him, two miles to his right, two miles to his left. And he knows that as the sun gets higher and higher, the starfish are not going to be able to make it unless they go back in the water. And so the man bends down and he takes one starfish and he throws it back in. He goes to the next and he takes another starfish and he throws it back in. And another man sees all this happening, and the other man comes and goes, what in the world are you doing? Look how many starfish are out here. You're never going to catch them all. You're never going to save them all. You're not making a dent of difference. And the man picks up one more starfish and says, I'm making a difference for this one. It's a great story, isn't it? To make a difference for the one in front of you. But there's another part of the story that I think about. When the starfish is thrown back in the water, surely there are other starfish waiting to catch it, right? So many times when we feel like we have experienced harm and somebody helps us and just throws us back in, we're going to still need support. We're going to need help. And it's time to be a community of faith that helps. Because when Jesus healed the one person, the entire synagogue was impacted. There's another great story about this preacher here in Atlanta. He was a Presbyterian minister. And it was a few years ago, and he was actually in his office, and it was right around Christmas time. And he was in his office, and he was working on Sunday work. And the secretary called him and said, I'm so sorry to bother you, but there's a man here. 
and he says he wants to see you. He said, I've never seen this man. He is not a church member. And the way he said it, the preacher thought, I know what this is. So he said, I'm going to have him wait for me in the parlor. I'm going to head up there. And the preacher said he was already thinking about ways to tell him we don't have money here. How am I going to tell him we don't pay this, we don't pay that? Where are the referrals in the town I'm going to give him? The preacher said he was already rehearsing all of this information when all of a sudden he went into the parlor and he saw the most unexpected thing. It was a man about 20, 25 maybe. He was dressed well, had an air of dignity about him, and he smelled nice. These are not the things he expected. And the man said to the preacher, Preacher, I have a devil on my back. I need you to bless me. I need a blessing. And the preacher said, Oh, I am so, so sorry. We're Calvinists here. We don't believe in that. <laughs> he said, No, you don't understand. I have a devil on my back. I need a blessing. And the preacher said, Look, again, this is a Presbyterian church. We don't do that. And he said, I could pray over you, but if you're looking for an immediate miracle, I don't know that that would happen. And the man said, it doesn't matter. I just need a blessing. And the preacher went on to give him all of the church history and all of the reasoning why it may or may not work. And again, the man just kept saying, but I need a blessing. But I need a blessing. But I need a blessing. And finally, the preacher said, okay, what's your name? And he said, Andy. He said, Andy, I'm going to pray over you. So Andy took a knee, and the preacher began to pray over Andy, and he used the liturgy that he knew. He began to just immediately launch into one of his memorized prayers. And all of a sudden, halfway through, he said he really began to pray for Andy. That something just came out of him, and he started to just pour everything he had over this man. As soon as he said amen, Andy stood up and gave him a hug and went out the door, never asked for another thing. Next Sunday, Andy showed up on the very back row. Second Sunday, Andy showed up on the very back row. The very end of the service, the minister looked at Andy, and in his mind, he thought, how did Jesus ever follow up on miracles and healings? And Andy slipped out of the door when the preacher realized Oh, no, Jesus sent me. I'm supposed to follow up. I'm the blessing. Chapel Roswell, it's our turn. It's our turn to see the value of being together in worship. It's our turn to see the importance of being together so we can support one another. It's our turn We're supposed to be the unexpected blessing that everybody's talking about. Chapel Roswell, it's our turn. Each one of us is our own self-contained episode. And in our own way, Jesus has impacted our lives. But when just one is changed, when one is healed, it impacts the whole. And so let's be the blessing. Let's be the very thing that everybody in town's talking about. Amen. There's so many ways that we can make a difference. One is through our giving. When you give to Chapel Roswell, you're giving to the whole of Roswell United Methodist Church, and this supports every aspect of community life. The other way that you can give is by your prayers. 
We have this wonderful youth event, AYL, coming up. And so we invite you just to keep it in your thoughts and prayers as our youth come and be a part of this. And the other way is through our time, through shopping. If you like to shop, you can go to grocery stores and you can get food and you can bring that food to the chapel so that we can in turn uh, give it to the scouts so they can give it to NFCC. There are ways to be a blessing with our time, our talents, our gifts, our attendance, and our witness. And I invite you to be a part of it. Let's have a prayer. Gracious and holy Lord, we sit in a moment of silence and we think about the ways that you have healed us. We think about the ways we need you. We think about the ways that you've made us uncomfortable we say thank you. Thank you for the times when we needed something in our lives to change and to be made new. And in fact, we do pray for our church. We pray for this public time of worship because we know when we come together, there's power. And we know that what we witness here needs to be talked about. We know that we've all come waiting for you to break through something, and so we ask for you to do it. And we ask for forgiveness. Lord, if there are things that we have said to the people that we love that were hurtful, we're sorry. We ask that you bless our relationships. We ask that you bless our marriages. We ask that you bless the relationships we have with our children and our parents, because those things are important. And so help us love one another better. Help us to help the person that is in front of us so that a difference can be made in that one life and that can impact the greater. Be Lord with the many people who aren't with family. Help them not be too lonely. There has been death, there has been grief and so be a part of all of it. And two Lord, examine our own thoughts so that we can be closer to you. May we share, Lord, with our community. May we share ways that we can help one another and be more available for those who need you. Help us to make more time, make more time to notice the things that we've been ignoring and be with the many little voices that we represent so that we can make sure we share whatever journey is ahead of him. Help us to hold those hands and to be those guides and those teachers. And be with the many different ministries of this church so that all of it is focused on you and can point to your love and your grace for more people. And Lord, raise us up from this place to be healed so that we can be one of the many stories that everybody's talking about. Bless us this day and every day. Amen.